Trinity Baptist Church. Hear this portion of God's word, Psalm 51, a psalm of David. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. The word of the Lord. Some of you know that when I was, um, when I was in college, I was, a, um, I was pre-med. I was gonna, my father was an OBGYN and I wanted to be a doctor as he was. And so I was taking all of the, the you know, chemistry and biology and physics and all that stuff. And, and <clears throat> I was taking a course called Chordate Anatomy where I was, you know, learning the anatomy of, of chordates, <laughs> hence the name. And um, I was going home for a weekend, and my, my dad said, Hey, Keith, I'm, I'm doing a C-section on fr- Friday afternoon. If you come home a little early, you can go and watch me do this C-section. So I'm thinking, Yeah! This would be sweet because, you know, I can, I can actually kind of see what's going on inside of the body and, and, and learn not just from the textbook, but learn from a, a real live person. This would be awesome. So I arranged my schedule. I get home early, go to the hospital with my dad, and we do the whole scrub up thing, you know. And I'm feeling pretty cool. And, I, and he'd cleared it with the patient that, it, that his son was going to come watch this. And so I go in. And, and I'm, I'm jazzed. You know, I got the mask and I got everything working. And my dad, you know, kind of tells me what's going to happen. And, and then he says, scalpel. And he takes the scalpel and he s- starts to make the incision. And, of course, there's a little blood. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. There's, oh, yeah, it's, there's some blood going to be okay. I'm, I'm okay with this. But he cuts a little bit deeper through the fatty tissue, and I'm starting to feel a little lightheaded. <laughs> and then he cuts into the abdominal cavity, and all of this fluid comes out, and I about pass out. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I just go white. And my dad says, you okay? And I'm like, uh-huh. Uh, and the nurse kind of grabs me by the arm and she says, we probably ought to go get some air. You know, so she, she takes me out and I'm, I'm going, she says, just low. And I go, you know, I go, you know. so I, I just, I, and then, you know, I'm out in the outside in the pre 
op room and, and I'm trying to gather my wits so I can go back in there and all of a sudden I hear this, and I, dang, I missed the whole thing, you know? So really there's no point to that story. <laughs> Except that doctors need to know the anatomy in order to be able to fix things, in order to deliver a baby, in order to repair a knee, in order to, to make things work right with the human body, they need to know what's going on with the body. And the same thing is true for us when it comes to sin. If we're going to be able to remedy sin, if we're going to be able to deal with sin in a way that, so that we can fix it, so that we can make it right in our lives, we need to know the makeup of sin. And that's what we're going to look at this morning in Joshua chapter 7. Um, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, we're going to be looking at this sin of Achan. Now, we, we're in this series called... Um, taking new ground, and, and since the beginning of January, we've been talking about how to take new ground in our lives spiritually, how to take new ground as a, as a community of faith, and we've been looking at learning some things from the conquest of the nation of Israel as they, they took Canaan, the land of Canaan. Last week, if you were here, you'll remember that we talked about irresponsibility and, and how irresponsibility irresponsibility, generally speaking, is sin. And we, talk, we talked about the two types. There was the, the passive irresponsibility of, of Joshua, and then there was the active irresponsibility of, of Achan, where Achan knew what he was not supposed to do, and he did it anyway. And what we saw last week is that Joshua's irresponsibility and Achan's irresponsibility brought consequences on the whole nation. And we learned that, you know, my sin is not private. My sin has impact on you guys. My sin impacts those who are connected with me and vice versa. We do not sin alone. When we act irresponsibly, when we sin, it has a ripple effect that hits those who are connected with us. This morning, what I want us to, to do as we kind of unpack Achan's sin is I want us to, to see the anatomy of sin. I want us to see how it works so that we can be better equipped to defend ourselves against it and to, to overcome it. So if you will <coughs> look at chapter 7, verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, and Achan was the guy who, who stole some of the things that God had said were be, to be devoted to him. Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him praise. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw the plunder, and if you have your own Bible, you may just want to underline or circle the word plunder because it's interesting. 
Um, When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them, and you may want to circle or underline the word coveted, coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. What was it that led, that was the first step in Achan's sin, the first step in Achan's irresponsibility? He says, first of all, that he saw the beautiful, he saw the beautiful, valuable articles, and and what did he call them? Plunder. Now, were they supposed to be plunder? What did God explicitly say? He said, don't take anything. Everything is to be devoted to me from this battle. In other words, Israel, there is no plunder in this battle. Right? But Achan sees it and he says, when I saw the plunder. You see, what Achan did is he was dissatisfied with the way the Lord had set things up. He was dissatisfied with what God said life was going to be life in, like in this situation, and therefore he rationalized and reclassified. We do the same thing, don't we? We do the same thing. One of the themes of our Bible is that we are just passing through this life and we have this wonderful um, place ahead, which was, which was true for Israel. They're just passing through Jericho and God's leading them to, to a place where they're going to all have land, they're going to all have blessing, but for this Season For this battle of Jericho, you're not to take anything. But Achan was dissatisfied with that. And we get dissatisfied with the place we are. And so we keep looking ahead. But what we forget is the place that God has ahead for us is far beyond anything we can imagine. Uh, you know what they call gold in heaven? Asphalt. Right? I mean, the streets are going to be paved with this stuff. And yet we are so discontent with where we are. Here's what, here's what Paul said to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, he said, I have learned the secret of being content, of being satisfied in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. The place where sin begins is when we get dissatisfied or discontent with what God has said life needs to be like right now, right here in this place. Where God has said sex is devoted to the covenant of marriage, we have redefined it and we have said, no, it's plunder. And it's for me to use whenever with whomever I want. 
where God has said that material blessing is from Him and that it is for us to steward in a way that is devoted to Him, we have redefined it and we have said, no, it is plunder. It is for me to use however I want, however it best suits me. Where God has said your work is a gift from, from Him and you are to glorify Him in all that you do, we have said, no, it is plunder. And I'm going to use my work to advance me in the best way I see fit. Friends, sin begins when we are dissatisfied with what God, how God has ordained life to be. And we begin to rationalize and redefine and reclassify stuff. That's where it starts. Second step in the progression is that Achan coveted these things. You know, it's, it's so interesting. He could have been... Elated, he could have been living in the joy of the victory that they just experienced in Jericho, right? What a, what a great victory this has been. I can't wait to see what God does next. But what did he do? He started looking around and he began to covet. Friends, when we get dissatisfied with the way, thing, the way God has ordained things ought to be, we start saying, Yeah, and I want that because that's going to make it better. We start to covet. And we know from the scripture that covetousness is idolatry. It is is setting something else in the place of... in In the place of centrality in our lives where the Lord should be. Third, it says, he took the, it says he took the articles and he hid them. He thought he could get away with this sin by hiding it. Um, the internal invisible sin of dissatisfaction and covetousness led to the external invisible sin of theft. And the consequences of that, the consequences of that action then had um, ramifications on the whole nation. And friends, that's the progression of sin. We were dissatisfied with the way God has ordained things to be. We're discontent. We start looking at those things that we think will fix it. And then when we lay our eyes on it, we take action to go get it. And what happens is then it brings destruction into our lives and into the lives of people around us. The book of James tells us that that is the pattern of sin that we all follow when we follow after temptation. In James chapter 1, it says, Each one is tempted when... By his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You see, it starts inside of us and it grows and it grows. Conception suggests 
um, our conception and birth suggests life. We think we're going to get life by taking the things that we're coveting, that we're being tempted by. But in the end, what it really gives birth to is death. If we do not repent of hidden sin, it will eventually break out into the open and be detrimental to the community as a whole. Friends, we need to vigilantly, vigilantly guard against even the most, quote-unquote, innocent of sin. And the, the... dissatisfactions in our lives because if we don't they can they can turn into something that we act on and then it brings calamity on ourselves and on our on everybody connected to us we may not all wrestle with Aiken's sin of materialism but there's something that every one of us is attracted to that is not of God. Amen? Yeah. There's something that that is pulling us that we know is not of the Lord. And we'll see it, we'll covet it, we'll take it, and we'll believe that just a little bit of it is all we need. We can that we can mess with just a little bit. We're not going to go too far. We'll take pleasure in it when it pleases us, but then we'll walk away. We end up believing the lie that Adam and Eve believed in the garden where Satan said to them, "If you eat of it, you surely won't die." How'd that work out for them? Not so good. How's it work out for us? not so good when we go down that road. There cannot be any ground of neutrality towards sin in us. Our problem is that we don't really believe that sin is as bad as it is. We think that we can play with it just a little bit with, you know, certain sins, kind of nice, agreeable, um, pleasurable, not really going to impact anybody else kind of sins. Um, we, we think we can keep sin under control, that we can limit its influence. What we don't realize is that the more we dabble, the more it gets its hooks into us, and, and the more difficult it is to let go of that thing that we have begun to play around with. Some of you have heard me talk about the, the monkey trap. Remember the monkey trap? And I think I talked about it not even too long ago where, you know, in certain parts of the world, they, they take a, a dry gourd and they, they hollow it out. And they, well, they cut a little hole in it and they hollow it out. And the hole's just big enough for a monkey to put his, to put his hand through. And they put some fruit or some nuts or something inside that, that and they'll, they'll tie a, a rope to the one end of the gourd and so the monkey will come along and smell the fruit or the nuts and go over and and stick their hand in and grab on to whatever's inside and now because they have a fist they can't get their hand out of the gourd and so the, the, the guy on the other end of the line just starts reeling the monkey in you know and the monkey starts screaming ah yeah you know screaming going nuts but, they, but the monkey won't let go of whatever's inside. 
And, and the guy just starts pulling it in. And all the monkey has to do is let go, pull his hand out, and take off. But they've got their nuts. They've got their fruit. They, they can't let go. And so the guy just reels him in, bonk, you know, monkey's dead. Friends, we do the same thing. We hold on to sin, and if we dabble with it, we get to the place that all of a sudden we can't let go. And we're trapped by it. And it leads to death. It's what happened to Achan. It's what happened to us. We think we can get, a little, uh, get away with a little moodiness, a little selfish anger, a little resentment, a little pornography, a little envy. I mean, after all, God created these lousy circumstances that I'm in. And so now i got to do something about it to fix it. And here's that thing that I can do to fix it. And so I take it. I have the right to be a little resentful. I have the right to be a little angry, a little moody, a little lustful, a little materialistic. But what happens when we get to that point and we act on it is we get absorbed into it. And it brings destruction to our lives and to those around us. Friends, we cannot have a temporary relationship with sin. Can't do it. We have to vigilantly fight against us. So what's the remedy? How do we master sin? How do we put sin to death in our lives so that as individuals, we can take new ground spiritually so that as a community of faith, we can take new ground for the cause of Christ. How do we do it? Well, there's two things, um, two things that are essential in this. First is you renew your mind so that you will be in tune with the will of God and the perspective of God. Because as you do that, it keeps dissatisfaction away. Paul said to the Romans in Romans chapter 12, he said, um, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do we renew our minds? It's not rhetorical. How do we renew our minds? You read the scriptures. You spend time in the word. You spend time in prayer. You say, Lord, what are you telling me from this that I need to to grab onto in my life? I met with a man recently, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but um, he's, a, he's a believer, and he is in an industry where he told me that it was um, just pretty much the norm that they would do business and close deals in strip clubs. And um, he knew it was wrong. He was uncomfortable with it, but he felt like he had to do that in order to, to make a living in this industry, and, and so he, he did it. 
And at first he was uncomfortable with it. But then after a while, he got kind of comfortable with it. And then after he got comfortable with it, he started to kind of like it. And I won't go into the detail, but you can fill in the blanks. Um, over the course of time, he ended up being unfaithful to his wife. And um, their marriage is in crisis right now. How do you think he would have done things differently if he had been in the Word every morning and in prayer every morning? How do you think he would have lived out his faith differently if he had been um, being transformed by the renewing of his mind rather than conforming to the pattern of the world? Because what he did is not out of the norm. What he did is just what, what they do. It's the, it's the pattern of the world. But if he had been spending time in the scriptures and spending time in prayer every morning, I guarantee you things would have been different. I guarantee you he would have figured out a different way to do business in that industry or he would have figured out he needs to get out of that industry. I guarantee you that even the loss of, of that job would have been better for him than the crisis he is now enduring in his marriage. You see, he would have been better off. His family would have been better off. There wouldn't have been collateral damage if he had been spending time in the Scriptures and, and in prayer every day. And that's what we need to do. We need to be renewing our minds. That's why we send you Coffee Break Verses. And if you haven't signed up for Coffee Break Verses, you can still do that. You can go online, you can click the tab on the homepage, and you can sign up for Coffee Break Verses. Five days a week, you get, you know, three or four verses from me and a little reflection on that. And, it's, and it comes really from the sermon. And so it kind of brings you back. Oh, yeah, I remember Keith talking about that on Sunday. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's meant to kind of re-trigger so that we keep in front of us what's going on. Um, keeps us focused on the Lord. I've, I've told some of you about my dog when, when we lived in Texas. I had this golden retriever named Caleb. Caleb was awesome. Caleb, um, Caleb would get my, my paper for me every morning. I would go, you know, go to the front door in my boxers, and I'd open the door a little bit, and I'd go, Caleb, go do your stuff, and then bring me my paper. And, you know, okay, so he'd go, and he'd take care of his business, and then he would go and get, get my paper. Well, we lived in Denton, and, and we took the Dallas Morning News, but the Denton Record Chronicle, because it was a local paper, sometimes would get there before the Dallas Morning News. And so if my paper wasn't there, he would go to the neighbor's driveway and get their paper and bring me their paper. And I go, dang, now i got to go put clothes on. And, you know, um, he was awesome. But Caleb, I could get Caleb in front of me, and I could put a, a slab of meat on the floor in front of him or something savory that I knew he loved. And he would look up at me, and he would want to eat that. And I would say, Caleb, don't eat that. And he'd, look at, he'd be looking up at me, and then his eyes would start to drift down. And i go, Caleb. And he'd look right back up. And he might have drool coming out of his mouth. 
But as long as he kept his eyes on me, he would not eat that. And then every now and then I'd say, okay, Caleb. You know, he'd go after it. But that's, that's how we need to be. It's as long as we have our eyes on the Lord, as long as that's where our focus is, we're not going to be enticed away by sin. We need to renew our minds. We need to be in the scriptures, be in prayer, keep our eyes on him. So that's the first thing. Um, Do I have time for this? I'm going to read it anyway. This is what David says in Psalm 119. He says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. And in verse 11, he says, Your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. If we're going to keep from being deceived by the lies of the world, if we're going to not conform to the pattern of this world, we need to have the truth ingrained in us. And we do that by meditating and studying and and just being in the scriptures. Um, So that's the first thing. The second way that we can master sin is we need to be conscious of the far-reaching consequences that our sin has um, on other people. Some of you come from families that have been destroyed by alcoholism. Some of you come from families that have been destroyed by the sin of adultery. Some of you have suffered the consequences of selfish behavior in others. Um, Some of you have been deeply hurt by gossip or slander. All of us at some point in our life have experienced the devastating consequences of someone else's sin, someone else's irresponsibility. And, and the question that we have to ask ourselves is, am I so selfish that I want to do this no matter what will happen to other people? Am I that selfish that I don't, care what happens to my family, that I don't care what happens to my church community. I don't care what happens to my friendships. I want this thing. Because friends, your sin, your irresponsibility will have impact on other people. So what did Israel do with Achan? Verse 24. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons, his daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Seems pretty harsh, doesn't it? But that's what we have to do with sin. We cannot let sin live. We have to be ruthless with sin in our lives. 
there's something else we need to see in this text so that we don't end on a downer. Because, um, yeah, I know, it's not a fun message, okay? It's the Bible. Why can't I tell you? Verse 26. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. This place of judgment on sin, the Valley of Achor, shows up again later in in the writings of the prophet Hosea. And I'm going to end with this because this is just awesome. This is This is the Lord speaking to his people in Hosea chapter 2. He says, therefore, I am now going to allure her, talking about the people, about the nation. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came out of Egypt. You see, the valley of Achor in the memory of the nation of Israel became this proverbial expression for the good results that take place after discipline happens. You see, Israel went on from the valley of Achor to conquer the rest of Canaan. We'll see in, in chapter 8 that they go back to Ai and they, they conquer Ai. Um, and then it just took a few short years for them to conquer the whole of the, the area. The, their victory came because of the discipline that God brought on the people. So this place of judgment, this place of consequence, this place where God said you have to eradicate sin, they got the message and it thus became a door of hope because from there they went on to victory after victory after victory. The good news today is that we can experience the same thing if we're willing to let God put his finger on the areas of our lives where we are consciously resisting his will. And if we will submit those to him, and if we will bring them to death by renewing our mind, keeping our focus on him, by recognizing the consequences, if we will put them to death, then God will let that place become um, a door of hope to our future. Let me pray for us. Lord, this is tough stuff. I don't like it because it it hits me where I need to be hit. And I'm sure that's true for a lot of us. I pray, Lord, this morning that we would recognize that even in discipline there is grace. I pray that we would recognize as we come to the table this morning that in the cross you brought the you brought death. For our sin. That Jesus took that stoning, Jesus took that um, ultimate wrath upon himself.
so that we might be able to move forward and live in the, the glory of the life that you've called us to, the, the, the victorious life that you've called us to. I pray, Lord, that as we come to the table this morning, we would recognize that. We would not take it for granted. We would know that how much it cost to see our sin upon that cross. And that we would then worship you with all of who we are. For your name's sake.